My name, the speaker for you today is um, Elisha, and that is Elisha, that's uh, E-L-I-S-H-A. Um, I served uh, in the northern kingdom, I served in uh, what was called Israel, uh, between about 900 and 940, 950 um, B.C., um, before Christ. And uh, what's really most interesting about my story is how I took over, um, how I became the official prophet of the Northern Kingdom. Um, a little bit of context about, uh, about my story. Uh, basically, when I became prophet of uh, Israel, um, Israel had been experiencing uh, 20 consecutive evil kings. Um, that means 20 uh, kings in a row that rebelled against God, that turned God's people away from him. Um, that's a span of about 200 and some odd years. It's a little over 200 years that Israel had been ruled and governed by evil kings. And, uh, you know, uh, here, here in America, um, you guys elect presidents, and uh, those presidents have Congress and the Senate and, and a lot of hoops to jump through. And, and so even if, you know, you get a bad apple every once in a while. Um, it's, it's not really the end of the world. There are checks and balances. The, 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 you don't have the monarchy that we had, but, but back in my day when you had an evil king, he just decided exactly what he wanted to do, and he, and he did that. And his, what he decided was law. What he decided uh, was, was the rule of law, and nobody could say anything different. And so for 200 years, we had been ruled by evil kings, and God's people had begun to adopt uh, the evil ways of the neighbors. Uh, we had forsaken Jehovah in many ways. And so God raised up uh, a man by the name of Elijah. And Elijah um, is the one who called me, Elisha, to become a prophet. And so really I want to talk to you about the beginning of my story. I could go on about um, all of the things I accomplished. Um, I, by the way, performed twice as many miracles as Elijah. Um, but who's counting? I... Um, I, I, they, one time, uh, one, one time I went to a school of prophets and there were, there were a hundred prophets that were hungry and there were only 20 loaves of bread. And so I multiplied 20 loaves of bread to feed a hundred prophets with some left over. You may have heard of somebody else who did something similar to that. The math is also very interesting in that story. And I, 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 I suggest you go check it out in the gospels, but I fed a hundred prophets with 20 loaves of bread. I also, uh, even after I passed away, right, even a year after I died, they put me in a grave, and um, there was a war going on, and one of the soldiers got killed, and so they wanted to quickly bury him, so they threw him into my grave, and when the dead soldier touched my dry bones, there was so much power in my dry bones that the dead soldier just, just came back to life. Like, he got up out of the grave and was like, what am I doing here? And he just <laughs> kept on with his journey. Uh, so I could, I, could, I could go on and on about the many things that God used me to do. And it's not to my glory, it's all to God's glory. And, and those are usually kind of the highlight reels. Those are usually the stories that people focus on when they, when they talk about me. But today I wanted to take you a little bit more personally. I wanted to take you a little more intimately into my story, and especially how my story began, how it all 
started. You see, I wasn't um, born into a prophet's family. I wasn't born into, uh, I wasn't a preacher's, uh, a PK, a prophet's kid. Um, I wasn't, uh, you know, that, I, that just wasn't me. We weren't in the ministry. Uh, in fact, my, my, my family, they were good people. I mean, they, they, they were one of the few who still believed in Jehovah and still taught us about Jehovah. They even helped house, um, they even helped house the prophets. And so when prophets would come through our town, they would, they would invite prophets to come sit at the dinner table. They would feed prophets. So I got, to, I got to hear from an early age uh, from the prophets, and especially from the greatest prophet, a guy by the name of Elijah. Now, uh, Elijah had um, stood before uh, the evil king Ahab and his wife Jezebel. You might have heard of her. Um, and he said, uh, he said, God's not going to send any rain or dew until I say so. And um, for, for you here in 2016 in America, uh, that would be, you know, an economic problem. Um, but it's not the end of the world. Uh, we've, you've all been in a drought here in Texas for a while. That seems like it's coming to an end. Uh, but, you know, you can always ship water in from other places. But for us, we were an agricultural society, and so we couldn't uh, get water shipped in from other places. And so for us, for no rain and no dew for three years, what that meant for us was an economic shutdown. That meant... It's similar to you all losing all of your currency. So currency is gone, banks are gone, and then figure out how you're going to eat and how you're going to live. People were starving. People were dying. It was a very difficult, difficult time. God was judging Israel. God had made it very clear that that's what he was doing. And, and so uh, my family was hit especially hard because we were farmers. That's what we did. Uh, we were rather wealthy. Um, we, were, we were known around the community. My, my dad had, had really made a name for himself and had built up the family business. And we were farmers. So we depended on the rain every single season, every, every, every springtime and harvest. We depended on the rain. We depended, we depended on the ground to, to bear fruit for us. And during those three years, it was the hardest three years of our family's life. And we realized that we were also vulnerable, even though we were wealthy, even though we were well off that once our supply was cut short, we were, we were not far from homeless ourselves. We were looking up in the sky waiting for rain. And so one day a small cloud came across the sky and I, I saw a tiny cloud, it was just this, this itty bitty cloud and then it started growing and growing and growing until uh, you started hearing thunder and, and lightning. And uh, that's when I knew that God had had, had ended his three years of judgment, and the rain just started pouring down. And me and the fellow servants and my family, my, my mom and my dad, we were celebrating. We were out in the rain just dancing around. We were so excited that now the rain was coming. So the very next day, I got up early, and uh, typically I wouldn't go out with the servants, but I was so excited that I was, I was out there with them uh, to start tilling up the ground because three years in the Middle Eastern sun with no rain or no dew means very, very hard ground, kind of like um, the west side of 35 uh, in, here in central Texas. There's, it's kind of like rock, you know, um, because it's so dry, it's so barren. And so, so we, got our, we got our cows together, we got our oxen, our team, teams of oxen. We each had two oxen, and we, and we each had a plow, so there were, there, were, there were 12 of us out there. 12 teams, and we were, we were plowing along, and it was hard work. We're going up and down the acreage, breaking up the, the, the hard soil. And I was so focused on my work that I didn't even notice when somebody just chucked uh, a mantle around, around my shoulder, kind of like that. And I, and I turned, and I looked, and I recognized the mantle. 
It was the mantle of Elijah. I had met Elijah once when he came to eat with my family. I'd heard his stories. And when he put his, man, his mantle, like this is his, his mantle that he wears. This is his mantle that, 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 that shows who he is. It's similar in your day to like a police officer's jacket or a firefighter's jacket. It, 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 it's similar to a badge, right? And, and, and he, 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 put it, he put it on me, which was without even saying a word, I understood exactly what he was saying. He was saying that I was going to be the next him. I was going to be the next him. And I'm, I'm, I'm out there, I'm plowing. And you have to understand, I'm not a preacher. I, I never went to seminary. Uh, I, I, I never went to prophecy school. I didn't know how to work in any gifts or anything. I barely even went to the tabernacle. I was too busy uh, out in the field. And so, and so Elijah just kept walking. So I, I, I left my oxen and I ran up and talked to him. I said, man, like, I think you, I think you, uh, I think you dropped this. I think, I, think, I think you dropped this back there. I don't know how somehow the wind blew it off your shoulders or something. I don't know. I think you dropped this because this, this isn't really for me. And he said, no, I, I meant to put it on you because you were going to be the next me. And I said, well, yeah, yeah um, that's not very likely. Have you, ever, have you ever had something on your shoulders and you felt like it was bigger than your shoulders? <laughs> have you ever had something on you that you're like, I don't think I can live up to this? I think, I think what you all would say, maybe, maybe, maybe you can't fill the shoes because your feet are too small. Apparently small feet is a bad thing around here. So um, I don't know. I'm a size eight and a half, and I've never found it to be that bad of a thing, but, you know, there you go. Uh, but but you, you feel like maybe the shoes that you're wearing are too big for you. Maybe the, maybe the mantle that has been put around your shoulders is a bit too big for your shoulders. And I said, man, like, I don't, I think you got the wrong guy. I, I mean, I understand you're a prophet. I understand you hear from God and all that stuff, but, but you can make mistakes, right? I mean, sometimes, sometimes you get it wrong. Um, you know, maybe God was talking to you, and it sounded kind of like Elisha, which is really Elijah. You just need to go back and, and check because this is, this is your mantle. This is your calling. This is your job. This is your office. This is what you do. This is not what I do. And he said, no, Elisha, you are going to be the next me. God has told me that, that you are going to be the next me. And so I began thinking about that. And I said, well, can I go talk to my parents? Can I go talk to my mom, my dad, my family? And he said, sure, do it. Do whatever you have to do. And so I went back home. And I came in the door, and I, I, was, I was a mixture of excited and kind of like, I don't know about this, because I wasn't sure if I was able to fill the shoes that I was given or to wear the mantle that I was given. And so I, so I came into the house, and, and uh, I'm wearing Elijah, Elijah's mantle. <laughs> and, 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 and my mom's response was, Elijah, come on, you're, you're a farmer. That's who you are. And my dad didn't even have to say anything. He just gave me that sort of disapproving look of, who do you think you are? Right? Like, like, like who do you think? And, 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 it, and it, it, it had been something that I had experienced throughout my life. My dad is a good man. Obviously, he, he, he helped prophets. He believed in God. But as is so often with good people, they can be uh, judgmental. His name actually means judge. His name is Shaphat. So luckily I didn't get that. But his name means judge. And so he was naturally inclined to see things with a critical eye. And there's nothing wrong 
with that, except that, well, he, he always uh, looked that way toward me. I don't know if, you, if any of you have any, had earthly fathers or regular fathers that, that, that were human, that weren't perfect, uh, that did the best that they could, but, but, but they, they didn't necessarily affirm the stuff that needed affirming. See, like, you know, like I, when I was little and they would have prophets over to the house, I would want to stay up late and listen to the stories of prophets. I was always intrigued by what God was doing in Israel. And, and my dad was always like, no, you got to go to bed early because you got you to get up early to work the farm because you're going to be a farmer. You're going to take after me. You're going to carry on my business. Or, you know, I never had time to go to the school of prophets or to talk with any of the, of the, of the, of the young prophets uh, that were around my age because, because I always had to be out in the field. I always had to be preparing, really, myself to take over his job because that was his vision for me. And this moment was no different. You know, you're, you're not a prophet. You don't, know how to, you don't even know how to prophesy, <laughs> which is, I think, one of the things you need to do to be a prophet. And, and my dad just, just shut down my, my hopes with just a look. And I think, and I think sometimes many of us, um, whenever we have that kind of relationship with, with our earthly dad, sometimes um, that's where a lot of uh, uh, defensiveness can rise up. Because you weren't affirmed in the way that you should have been affirmed, it's not that my dad was gone. I wasn't fatherless, but, but in many areas of my life, I was fatherless. I didn't, I didn't hear his affirmation. He was missing. He was absent. I mean, he was there, but he wasn't. You know what I mean? He was, he was there, but he wasn't there to be who he was supposed to be. And so I was missing a lot of that affirmation. And a lot of times, that's where defensiveness comes in our lives. Whenever, whenever we've, we've lacked the affirmation from the person who was supposed to give it to us, we feel like we have to give it to ourselves. And so, so whenever people lash out and are defensive, often it's not because they're bad people. It's not because they're angry at you. It's, they're really not even talking to you. They're just talking to themselves. They're telling themselves what they've always wanted to hear. And this is what we play in our minds. We repeat in our minds what we've always wanted to hear. But as much as you tell it to yourself, it's hard to believe what you tell yourself over what other people have told you. And so I left the house kind of dejected, feeling like there's no way I can do this. I really didn't think I could, and it's probably not going to work. And a friend of mine came to me and said, Elisha, you just need to remember that really you should, she gave me a great piece of advice. She said, you should, you should go where you are celebrated, not where you're just tolerated. <laughs> it was a really good piece of advice because... I had been living with, with, with my parents and with my family, and as I, as I should, and there's nothing wrong with that. But I now had an option. I now had a choice to step into a place where I would be celebrated. I now had an option. And this was the day, honestly, this was the day that people say that I was called to the ministry and all that kind of thing, but that's not really true. This is the day that I found my real father. This is the day that, that, it, it, that, that, that Elijah and me connected, and Elijah became my father. Now, 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 it's true that he wasn't there when I was born. Elijah wasn't there when I was born. But Elijah saw inside of me why I was born. And that is the essence of a father. A father is not just somebody who, who, who contributes DNA to your existence. A father is somebody who contributes affirmation to your destiny. 
He speaks to who you are. I was out there in a field. I was, I was just plowing away. I was working my butt off trying to, try, try, trying to get the work done that I wasn't even called to do. And, and Elijah was the only one who saw me doing that and saw something bigger inside of me than what anybody else saw. And so I had a choice. I could go where I was celebrated or I could stay where I was tolerated. And so I, I made my choice. I said, Mom and Dad, I'm, I'm taking off. I'm going to throw a big barbecue out in the field. <laughs> and they said, well, what are you going to cook? I said, I'm going to cook those dumb cows that I've been following around all my life. And so I went back to that field, right? I took out my knife. I slaughtered, I slaughtered the cows right then and there, began, began cutting them up. I took the, the plow that was there, the wood, wooden plow, and I chopped that up as firewood. I built a big fire, made a bunch of really good Five Guys hamburgers, and just began passing them out to my buddies and said, this is my farewell party. I'm, 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 I'm out of here. I'm gone. I'm obviously never coming back. And this is, this, is my, this is my challenge to you. How long are you going to stay where you're tolerated? How long are you going to stay out in the field trying to work your tail off, trying to win the approval of people who will never see you for who you are? <laughs> How long are you going to be out there pulling, pull, pull, pulling this, this plow, working the ground, trying to do what somebody else was called to do, but you were never called to do? What somebody else told you you were called to do, but you were never called to do? What somebody else planned for you to do, but you, it's not in you? How long are you going to keep trying to strive for the approval of people who won't actually see you? We, 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 we stay where we're tolerated because we begin to believe our, of ourselves. We begin to believe of ourselves that we are nothing more than where we were born. We are nothing more than what we have fallen into and what has aligned itself within our lives. And we are stuck right here. And the answer, the answer to this is not that you have to pull yourself up by your bootstraps. The answer to this for me was that I had to meet a father. I had to meet somebody who didn't just see that I was born, but saw why I was born. And he called it out. Yeah, I, right, right there in the middle of the field, he called it out of me. When I didn't see it in myself, he called it out of me. And he put his, his mantle on me as a symbol that I was going to be the next him. Because that's what fatherhood does. Fatherhood reproduces. Fatherhood says, I'm going to give you what I have so that you can be the next me. And actually, as I noted before, I was a little bit better than Elijah. So actually, if you're a good father, you raise up kids that are better than you. Which is why, which is, which is why in terms of earthly parenting, if you just do what your parents did, then you're going to get what your parents got. <laughs> and as lovely as that is, <laughs> let me suggest to you that God has more for your family tree than simply to keep growing to the same level and the same level and the same level and going through the same stuff, the same cycles, and then the, the, the same, I mean, it's all, it's all so similar, so predictable. God has something more for you. God, for me, he broke the chain of farmers. <laughs> and I no longer worked the land. 
I now became a different kind of farmer. I began sowing seed of the word of God in people. And where I learned how to do that was from my father, Elijah. Me and Elijah, we went to his hometown of Gilgal, and we stayed there for seven years. And this is where God really taught me everything that I needed to know going forward. The seven years that I spent with Elijah in Gilgal. Now, one of the issues, one of the issues that I had, and one of the issues I think that every fatherless person has, every person who is lacking, maybe their, their father was there, but wasn't there the way they needed them to be, one of the issues that I had that I think a lot of people have is that because I never had the voice of approval in my life, approving of the right things, because I never had that, I had to, I had to approve of myself. And so because of that, I... I saw as friends anybody who would approve me. Anybody who would, who would say what I wanted to hear, then they were obviously my friends. They were for me, right? And anybody that would say anything to the contrary, they were against me. And some people call this an approval addiction. That you can become addicted to approval. And, 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 and some of you all have, have something called Facebook which, which, which you sit and stare at for hours and just waste your time. Luckily, we didn't have that back in my day. Um, but some of you have that, and, and, and you'll share something, or you'll, or you'll take a selfie or a thousand selfies and post one of them. And, um, and, then, and, then, you know, and then you'll have your kids sit just right. And no, 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 not, no, no, smile a little better that night. You got to smile. No, no, put that down. Would you get over there? Okay, no, no, seriously. We're, we're trying to, like, like, you're like little professional photographers. I know, you're just, you're, you're, you're brilliant, you're amazing. And the filter adds absolutely nothing to your genius. And so you're sitting, you're sitting, you know, and, and you sit and you're taking pictures, and, and you're, you're, you're putting it up, and you're looking, oftentimes looking for likes. <laughs> looking for approval. There's nothing wrong with likes. Um, the pastor of this church gives likes a lot. He doesn't give loves because that's dumb, because that devalues the likes. He, he, has, he has kind of a thing about that. So he doesn't do hearts. He just does thumbs up. But anyway, <laughs> because you can only get so many thumbs up, and then that's not quite enough. And then you want hearts, right? And so then before long, it's going to be, I don't know what it's going to be. It's going to be something even bigger than hearts and bigger than thumbs up. It's going to be like you, you win the internet today, you know, and you get to win the internet like a hundred times in a day kind of thing. So I'm not sure how that works. But one of the traps of this kind of social media is that we can move our approval addiction from uh, this stage to an online stage, and it's much easier to judge an online stage because you see the stats of that. We still approve. We still need approval. And I had that, obviously. I, I didn't even let the servants do their job. I had to go out there and help my servants do their job because I was, they call an overachiever. I was looking for approval. But the seven years with Elijah really solved that. And the way that Elijah solved that is he gave me uh, a job, one job, one job for seven years. He gave me one job, and this is what I became known as. Even after Elijah was gone and I was the main prophet, I became known as the guy who washed Elijah's hands. That's right, a job he could do for himself very easily. <laughs> In fact, <laughs> 
probably easier by himself than holding his hands out, allowing me to scrub them. Every meal, I was there to wash his hands. I never got promoted to the guy who groomed his horse. I never got promoted to the, to the guy who cooked his meal. No, no, no. I was the guy. Hey, at least I wasn't the guy who washed his feet. So I was, I was, I was glad for that. You know, that was, that was a little bit better. But I was the guy who washed his hands. It was, it was the lowest job of, of, of any servant because it's the most pointless. I mean, your hands are going to get dirty again. Right? It's even, it's even worse than working in a field. At least working in a field, you get to see some kind of fruit come up. You get to see some kind of product come up. You say, man, I did that. Wow, that looks really good. Look at this great harvest. For, for him, it's like, oh, look at those smooth hands. <laughs> now, I do have to say, Bath and Body Works, uh, eucalyptus is some good soap. That's some good soap. If you're going to wash hands for a living, get some Bath and Body Works, eucalyptus. It smells good. It's, it does good stuff for your skin. It ex exfoliates and all that stuff. But, you know, but, but, but that, was, that was my life. For seven years, I was the guy who washed Elijah's hands. And that will, that will do a great deal to kill your approval addiction. And some of you are probably in situations in life where you're saying, man, this is dumb. I don't know why I'm doing this. I don't know why I'm running around. I don't, I don't know why I have this job. I don't, I, don't, I don't know why I'm working at this. I mean, it's so insignificant. It's so menial. It's so pointless. Couldn't these people just wash their own hands? Couldn't we just figure out something else for this? But it's in those moments when you feel useless and pointless. It's in those moments when you feel less productive than you felt in the past. It's in those moments that, that, that it may be true that you're not really accomplishing very much. But God often accomplishes a lot when we are accomplishing little. God often accomplishes a lot in us when we are accomplishing little outside of us. Often he will put us in, in time out because, because he wants us to learn to, to, to detach ourselves from the approval of others. Because, I mean, you know, how many, how many compliments are you going to get when you're washing somebody's hands? Wow, Elijah, you really killed it this time, dude. I mean, my hands were kind of dirty. Now they're not dirty at all. This is amazing. Water, soap, towel. Wow, you are, you are a beast. There was like nobody. Nobody commented. They would come visit. Nobody would say, wow, can I get the number for your hand washer? I need him over at my house. No. Like, nobody really cares about that. Nobody, you don't, you, don't, you don't win Grammys or Emmys for washing hands. Nobody recognizes that. Nobody thinks that's anything special because it's not. <laughs> it accomplishes so little. But that's many times where God puts us. He puts us in Gilgal. And the word Gilgal means to roll away. Because we're always looking for what God's going to add to our lives. We're always looking for what God's going to put. Oh, Lord, I really need you to, to add this and that and this and that. Well, yeah, there's some stuff I need to roll away first. And so he, he puts us in Gilgal sometimes for seven years, and he starts rolling away our approval addiction. He starts rolling away our need to be recognized and our need to perform and our need to accomplish and our need to feel productive. And he gets, he gets rid of all of that. For seven years, I, I had no there, was no, there was no ladder that I could climb. There was no compliments that I could receive. There was no job that I could do that was even that significant. It's like I was spinning my wheels, which is, which is what Galgal means. It means to roll away, or it means a wheel. It means a circle. It felt like I was just going like this. But sometimes when you're just spinning your wheels, that's when God's doing something inside of you. 
He's rolling something away from you. Because one of the reasons why I could never see myself as the man that Elijah saw me is because how in the world am I going to stand up in front of a great king and tell him, you know, bad stuff when I'm addicted to approval? Because he might not like me. <laughs> he might hate me. He might, he might say bad things about me, be mean to me. He might, he, there's, there's a pretty good chance People are going to judge me. There's a pretty good chance people are going to say I'm not a real prophet. There's a pretty strong possibility people are going to question, you know, just because I got this little mantle thing, he doesn't mean that you're all that. And so God had to break me and roll away my need for others' approval. But that's exactly what fathers do. That's what real fathers do. Real fathers are not looking for production. Real fathers are not necessarily looking for the product. They're not necessarily looking for the fruit. See, my dad was always, was always about fruit. It wasn't about what the score was. It was about who won. He was always about, let, let, me, let me just show me the results. Let me, see, let me see the results. And he was a guy who got results. He was really good at getting results. And he, he expected me to get results. And I was trying my best to get results. But, but sometimes when you, when you focus on the product, you forget about the process. You, 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 you devalue the process because you have valued the product so much. Which is why when, he, when Elijah gave me a product, an office, I said, oh, I can't, I can't fill that because I, I knew I didn't have the power to walk in that office. I knew my shoulders weren't big enough because all my life I've been chasing after products because products get compliments, products get accolades, products get pats on the back and high fives. But processes, people were saying, what's he doing in Gilgal? My great son, wealthy family, gonna take over the family, and now he's washing that guy's hands for a living. What's he, what's he doing seven years in Gilgal? What, what, what's he trying to accomplish? I didn't, I, I didn't train him all his life to, to work a field so that he could, you know, sit around and wash some guy's hands for the rest of his life. What exactly, where is he going with this? What's, what's the end game here? Who's, how, like, what, what's going on with your life, Elisha? But Elijah never said that. Because Elijah said, it's important that you go through this process. And a true father true father will see you in the middle of process and he will not judge you based on product he will judge you based on process so that's what I mean when I say that I was learning to become a different kind of farmer I was no longer sowing natural seed I was sowing spiritual seed and the trick about seeds is when you sow them they go underground for quite a while and it looks like you just dropped it <laughs> whoops like you could have just whoops and it would do the exact same thing it's gone you can't see it you can't see well, well I had 20 seeds and no seriously I did and, and and now they're all underground and we don't know there's no there's no product there's no there's no fruit there's no fruit it's just seeds in the ground and they're just they just stay in the ground for a really long time but stuff is happening under the ground and if you disrupt what's happening under the ground if you disrupt the process because you're so quick to see if there's any fruit then you'll mess up you'll mess up the process your desire for product your desire for fruit will jack up the process that will eventually get you fruit 
And so many times, because of a fatherless spirit, because of a fatherless generation, we, 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 we won't allow God to just let the seed be. We won't allow God to just let it stay covered. We won't allow God to just, just water it, get a little sunshine. Is that all? Is that all we got to do? Yeah, that's all you got to Stop touching it. <laughs> get your hands off it. Stop messing. You're jacking up the process. I stick you here. I bury you here. I water you here. I put sun on you. And then you undig yourself and go somewhere else because you think you'll be more fruitful. But you, the only place you're going to get fruit is by staying in the process. Just, just, just accept it. Embrace it. Let it work. Let it, let it do what it's got to do. Let it, let, 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 it, let it grow roots down deep. You'll never go up high unless you get something down below. You'll never, you, if, you, if you're always running to the next field, you'll never know what it is to climb high because you'll never go low enough. And Elijah was patient with me in my process. Elijah was patient with me even though I was so addicted to approval. And eventually there came a day when, when my father, Elijah, said, it's time for me to go. And by go, he meant leave the earth. He meant it's, it's time I'm leaving. He said, I'm going to leave Gilgal. I'm going to leave this place that has been so powerful in your life. Elisha, you stay here at Gilgal because you've learned the process really well. So you stay here at Gilgal. You'll be able to teach other people about the process. You'll be able to, you'll be able to, to mentor other. But you stay here at Gilgal. I'm going to go on to Bethel or Bethel. Uh, it means the house of God. But there's, there's something about true fathers that whenever you find one, you don't want to leave them. And this is, this is also, I think, a secret of the kingdom. It's so interesting to me that, that my father, who was very successful and who was teaching me to, to, to go for the product and constantly perform, that he never really earned my allegiance. He never really earned my loyalty. But, but when Elijah came along and Elijah believed in me first, then he earned my loyalty. If you want to earn people's loyalty, you have to believe in them first before they produce. You can't, you can't wait for them to show up and, and be this amazing person and then believe in them. If you want loyalty, you've got to believe in them first. When, when, and, and that's why God so loved the world first that he gave his only son. That's why God saw inside of us something first. And that's why God attracts such loyal followers who will never leave him or forsake him because he has never left them or forsaken them. And Elijah said, I'm going on to Bethel. And I said, well, then I'm going with you. And so he and I journeyed together to Bethel. We went to Bethel, and there was a, there was a school of prophets there. And the prophets, they, all, uh, they had been hearing from God. They were real prophets. Uh, they've been trained under Elijah. And so they told me, they said, hey, God's going to take Elijah away from you today. And I said, yeah, I don't want to hear about that. <laughs> because, because, because I didn't want Elijah to go. We were there at 
Bethel. Bethel is the place where my, my, my great, 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 great ancestor Jacob, he founded Bethel. He found out that God was in the middle of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere, he found God, and that's why he called it Bethel. And so we stayed there for, for a little time, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't hear any of this about Elijah leaving. And so Elijah said, I'm going to leave Bethel. I want you to stay at Bethel. Help these prophets here. Lead them, teach them like I've taught you and led you. And I said, no, I can't, I can't stay behind. I'm going to be faithful to you. And so he said, okay, well, then come along with me. And so I went along with him to the next town. His next stop was Jericho. And there was a school of prophets there as well. And Jericho uh, was a place of our first victory. The first victory of the people of Israel when we came across the Jordan, we came into the promised land. The first enemy that we faced was an enemy called Jericho. And it was a walled city. It was very difficult to get through. And God performed the victory for us. We didn't, we didn't do anything but march around and yell. And that's all we did. And then God performed the victory for us. And so we had a school of prophets there as well. And the prophet said, hey, Elisha, God's going to take Elijah from you today. And I said, yeah, I've already heard that once. I don't want to hear it. I'm not, I'm not even going to entertain that thought. And once again, Elijah said, okay, well, I had, I had my dinner, little P.F. Chang's, and uh, it, was, it was good. And, uh, but now I'm, I'm leaving here, and I'm going to go, go, go across the Jordan. He said, you stay here, you help out these prophets. This will be a good place of ministry for you. And I said, no, I can't stay here with these prophets. I need to go on with you. And so I went on with him. And, and Elijah took his mantle, and he stood at, at the Jordan. And the Jordan's only a couple of feet deep. It wasn't even necessary, but he took his mantle, and he, he, he smacked the Jordan River with it, and the Jordan just parted. I thought that was interesting. I said, okay. And so we walked on through. And when we got to the other side of the Jordan, the Jordan closed up. And Elijah turned to me and he said, so, so what is it that you would like me to leave you? Because I'm about to go. I'm about to leave. I know you know that. You've had two different prophets tell you that today. You yourself are a prophet. I know you know. What, what is it you'd like me to leave you? And I said, I, I, I want a double portion of what you have. And not just what you have, but of your spirit. In other words, I was saying, I don't want you to leave me. I want your spirit to stay. And Elijah said, well, that's, that's a tricky thing. That's a tricky thing. And he said, he said to me, in your Bible it says, um, he said, if, if you see me when I, when I am taken then you'll have it. But actually, in the original language, what he told to me was, he said, if you see me as taken by God, then you will have it. It's different. It's not just visual. It's not getting a visual of him taken off because he was raptured. <laughs> like a, a fiery chariot came down out of heaven, and he hopped on board, and then the chariot flew him back up to heaven. And I saw it with my eyes. But that's not really what he said to me. He said, you have to see me as taken by God. That it's God's will for me to go. It's God's will for me to leave. And so when he was taken up into that chariot, one little thing fell from the chariot. And it was his mantle. I reached down, I picked it up. 
cried for a long time. I tore my clothes. And my father was gone. The only father I ever knew. I walked back to the Jordan. It's only two feet deep. I, I, I could walk through it. But I saw what Elijah had done with, his, with his, his mantle. And I said, God, I think I need a sign. I need a sign. I need a sign that the spirit of Elijah is still with me. And so I, I called out. I said, where is the God of Elijah? Which, by the way, by the way, you will always first call on the God of your father. <laughs> That's why a fatherless generation is a godless generation. Because you will always first call on the God of your father. Not Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, not Moses, but Elijah. Where is that God? That's the God I want to serve. That's the God I know. That's the God I recognize. That's the God I... And so I, I call on the God of Elijah, and I, I slap down the mantle on the water, and the water parted. And what this showed me is that the spirit of Elijah was still with me. Now, when I say the spirit, I don't mean the ghost. <laughs> I don't mean the ghost of Elijah, because Elijah, his, his person, his entity was gone. It was up in heaven. But when I say the spirit of Elijah, I mean the anointing of Elijah, the power of Elijah. And what's interesting is in your Bible, this spirit is mentioned as well. It's mentioned in the Old Testament in Malachi, and we have a, we're going to put it up here on the scripture, Mal Malachi chapter 4, it's going to be on the screen, but it's also mentioned in Luke in the New Testament chapter 1. But this is what God said. He said, behold, I will send, he's talking about in the last days, he said, I will send you Elijah. In the New Testament it says, I will send you one in the spirit of Elijah. I will send you Elijah, the prophet, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will, this is what the spirit of Elijah will do. He will turn the hearts of fathers to children. And the hearts of children to their fathers. That is the power and the spirit of Elijah. He raised people from the dead. That wasn't any big deal to God. He, he, he parted the water. That really wasn't a big deal to God. The big deal about Elijah is that he had a spirit that would turn father's hearts to their children and children's hearts to their fathers. And this is, I believe, the spirit that God is pouring out in these last days. And people who have had fatherless upbringings God is pouring out a spirit of fatherhood because God himself is a father. <laughs> Jesus said, when you pray, this is how you pray, our father. That's how the whole thing starts. <laughs> if, you don't, if, you don't, if, you, if you don't have your, the place in your heart of father healed by God, you'll never understand God. You'll always you'll always misunderstand what he's doing because you'll see it through the eyes of an orphan. You'll see it through the eyes of somebody who has to affirm him or herself. So you have to receive God as a father, not just as a savior, not just as a lover, not just as the pursuer of your soul, but also as the one who gave you birth and then saw why you were born. He sees inside of you what is, what is not yet on the surface of your life and he calls it out and he has the patience to wait for it, to water it, to work it, and to allow it to grow. This is the spirit and power of Elijah. This is 
what God does when he's about to do his greatest work. He first teaches us what it is to have a father. And that's who he is to us. And so if we could just close our eyes for a moment and bow our heads, I want to offer this invitation to you. The father heart of God is in the earth right now, which is what some would call the spirit of Elijah, but it's really the spirit of God. It's the heart of God. It's the, it's the heartbeat of God. It's the Holy Spirit. He, he's moving throughout the earth, and he is, he is telling people about the Father that they have a hard time understanding. But it's so important that you receive. It's so important that you believe in. It's so important that you, that you see him for who he is. He's not a brother who's competing with you. <laughs> He's not a sibling who's pulling your hair. He's not an uncle who's grumpy at you. He's not, he's, not, he's not all of these other perfectly good family members that God could have chosen. But he said, no, I am the father. I'm the one who gives you significance. I tell you who you are. And I call you to be the next me. <laughs> to be my representation, to take my mantle, to take my anointing, to take my power and to go father other people, to father people in the faith spiritually, to, to lead them, to affirm them and to have patience with them until they grow up to who you know they are. And if you'd like to receive the father heart of God today, if you